This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Get a good feel for, you know, what would it actually cost for you to fund your living expenses if you didn't have any income? Then make an informed decision about, do I really need to continue working here? Or can I actually fund my living expenses out of my savings? This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we are going to do two things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about early retirement withdrawal strategies, particularly the 72TSEPP. If that sounds like a bunch of jargon, it sure is, and we're going to explain it. (laughs) Second, we are starting a new segment today. I'm kind of excited about it. With all the interest in Coast Fire recently, I thought we'd feature some folks who've hit this milestone besides the Hill family and uh, discover how they did this and talk about how this impacts them going forward in their journey. So this month, we're going to be featuring Brad Long from Atlanta. He and his wife achieved Coast Fire after hitting $1 million in investments by age 50, which is pretty cool. And we're going to chat about how they did this and their long-term goals post Coast Fire, post Coast. (laughs) All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Anonymous on Instagram at Andy Hill MKM, and here it is. What's your thoughts on using 72T SEPP? My wife and I are already Coast Fire with our 401ks, but not ready to quit work while our kids are in school. I'll keep contributing to get the 6% company match, so we should be plenty good and wondering if we could take some SEPP distributions to bridge the gap from, say, 50 years old to 59 and a half. We're currently 35 and our kids are seven and five years old. Also, just paid off our forever home, considering opening a Roth IRA to live off later or the SEPP again to bridge the gap from retirement until 59 and a half. Haven't heard of this option before and randomly stumbled upon it today while trying to decide whether to keep contributing to the kids 529s or moving them to a Roth IRA. Thanks for your thoughts and contributions to Instagram and the podcast. Anonymous, thank you very much for connecting on Instagram. First of all, congratulations on hitting Coast Fire at 35 years old. That is incredible. Your ability to invest early obviously is paying off. This is an area that I'm very interested in as well, these early retirement strategies. And after our chat with Kristen from Arizona a couple months ago about Roth conversion ladders... It got my mind churning. So to help me answer your question today, Anonymous, I've invited another anonymous personal finance educator on the show today, and he goes by Landshark. This is a 43-year-old father and former lawyer who hates debt, saves aggressively, and invests in index funds. And when he isn't helping folks learn more about early retirement, he enjoys skiing, hiking, and making music. Welcome to the show, Landshark. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. Well, let's help Anonymous here. And then I would love to dive into your story now that we're calling you a former lawyer. So let's help Anonymous here first. Can you talk to us about just high level? What is a 72T or SEPP? All these acronyms are so confusing. And I guess, how could that help somebody retire early? You know, in a typical situation where you have a you know traditional retirement account, whether it's an IRA or a 401k, there's a magic age of 59 and a half, which is the age that you hit where you don't hit any early withdrawal penalties. If you start accessing your retirement funds before 59 and a half, you are subject to a 10% penalty from the IRS. So the 72T SEPP, which is substantially equal periodic payments, allows you to access, for example, your traditional IRA in advance of age 59 and a half, provided that you follow the formula that is dictated by the IRS. So for example, if you're age 50 and you wanted to access, you know, basically a bridge of nine years before you hit that 59 and a half, you could determine you're going to take a certain amount of money out of your traditional IRA in equal installments for those 10 years until you hit 59 and a half. And while you have to pay tax on the withdrawals, you won't be subject to that 10% penalty. Now, one of the downsides to this plan is you can't stop the withdrawals. Once you start them, you need to take them even if the market is down. So you don't necessarily have flexibility. But for people who have been saving in traditional retirement accounts, it does give you the option of accessing them earlier than you would you know, when you hit traditional retirement age at 59 and a half. And for the early retirement community, it is an option for you to actually tap into those traditional retirement accounts early and have that flexibility. That seems great. And I'm wondering, why isn't this discussed more? Is it just because most folks who are educating in personal finance or financial advisors want you to take advantage of time and compound interest and and grabbing it early negates that? You know, one of the things that you have to deal with, with with the SEPs is you need to do it for five years. So for people who have, let's just say they only need to bridge a gap for a couple years before age 15 and a half, a SEP's not going to necessarily be helpful. The other downside to, to a SEP is that, you know, you are withdrawing funds from your retirement accounts. And, you know, in the event that you need those monies after age 59 and a half, you're going to have less of it if you're tapping into it early. So, you know, it is a little technical. It's got a weird name and it's not necessarily something that's too user friendly. So, you know, I've certainly seen a lot of people in the early retirement community talk about just using taxable brokerage accounts as a means of, you know, bridging the gap between early retirement and then traditional retirement. That's personally what what we're going to be doing with our family is we're just going to be tapping into our taxable brokerage account and, you know, using that to fund our annual expenses between, you know, age 43 and then 59 and a half. So you retired and you're 43. And so you're using the brokerage account to do that. I guess, how much did you amass to be able to just withdraw money to live your life now that you're early retired? Yeah. So, you know, I just retired, so we're not living. Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. And, and, and I'm actually not totally retired. I'm, I'm kind of transitioning. So, you know, as a lawyer, I've got ongoing cases and responsibilities to clients. So I'm kind of transitioning into a part-time role and then using that to kind of fade into the distance while I finish the, the work that I have for, for current clients. My wife is also, Mrs. Landshark is also continuing to work currently, probably for the next two years. So we're not needing to necessarily bridge as much of a gap as we otherwise would. 
but basically what, what we did is, you know, we have a, a withdrawal simulation that we've put together. Robert from Stop Rendering Shirts actually helped me put this together. He's a, a tremendous resource. I don't know if you've had him on the podcast before I talked to him, but he's a really smart guy. But in that table, you know, we have our, our cash and our taxable account, our HSA, our Roth accounts, our traditional IRAs and traditional 401k accounts, all kind of laid out in a schedule. And I'd be happy to, uh, to share it with you and your, your listeners. Yeah, that'd be great. So they can they can plug it in. I just have it as a Google Google sheet. We make some assumptions about what inflation is going to be and what our rate of return is going to be, and then what our annual spend is going to be. So you know, currently we have about a million bucks in our taxable account. You know, we're assuming that we're going to have an annual spend of about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's indexed for inflation at two percent. And then that annual spend doesn't actually start for another two years because my wife is working. So, you know, that money will continue to grow as will our, you know, HSA, Roth accounts, traditional accounts. And we'll, we'll essentially draw from our taxable accounts and our cash first. And then as that draws down, we get closer to age 59 and a half. And based on what we're projecting, we're assuming a 7% return and 2% inflation. Now I understand with inflation these days, that may not necessarily be the, the safest assumption, but that's what we're, we're projecting right now. We think that we won't have to actually take advantage of something like a 72T, you know, SEP withdrawal plan and just access our retirement accounts at age 59 and a half. Like you're supposed to, according to the IRS. Right. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and to your point on inflation, yeah, it's wild right now. But on average, I mean, we're looking in between 2 and 3% on average. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's. I'm, I'm assuming 2%. I'm assuming 7% returns just in the market, which I think is actually pretty conservative. Obviously, we don't know what the future will bring, but... You know, the past is a good indicator of what the, the future will bring. And, and I feel pretty comfortable looking at our, what, what our numbers are and what the projections are that we'll be okay. With a million dollars in a taxable, you must have had a pretty healthy income to get to that point. I mean, general transparency to help people. Were you putting money in your pre-tax stuff? And then, then you got to a point where you're like, hey, I maxed those out. Now let me put it in the taxable. How did that all work? Yeah, I mean, we were, we were really fortunate. You know, both my, my wife and I make good money. I made, you know, really good money as a partner in a law firm. You know, the last couple of years we were making five, six hundred thousand dollars a year. So, you know, our net worth right now is somewhere around four and a half million dollars altogether. So we maxed out our IRAs, we maxed out our 401k contributions. We had the ability to take advantage of the Megat backdoor Roth with, with after tax contributions to the 401k. And then over and above that, we were saving very aggressively in our taxable brokerage account. Like you, I'm a big advocate of, of paying off the mortgage. So we paid off our mortgage several years ago and that really poured like jet fuel on our savings because we just had the cash flow that just freed up after the, the mortgage was gone that we were able to just dump that into our taxable brokerage account. And, you know, we were able to take advantage of times where, you know, we had a lot of cash when the market dipped in, in March of 2020 when COVID hit. And, you know, obviously we didn't know what was going to happen at that point in time with the future, but that turned out to be a really good time to invest. So we're very fortunate. And now we just kind of look at the numbers and we, we recognize that we have enough. And at this point in our lives, we're making the, the decision that, you know, our time is worth more to us than any additional money that we could actually earn from our, from our careers. And that's why we're stepping away. That's incredible. I mean, you've made an, an incredible amount of income. You've done really well with your career. So you're saying time is important to you. Was there a point in your working career where you said, 
I want to early retire. What happened where you started to make that flip? I, I wish there was there was like a clear moment in time when when it happened. I mean, having kids definitely changes things, as you know. And, you know, just kind of watching how quickly they grow up. My kids are elementary school aged and it feels like just yesterday that they were babies. But, you know, definitely having the desire to spend more time with my wife and, and kids. I think COVID was definitely a um, kind of key transition point because now all of a sudden we were all working from home. And, you know, before that, I used to be commuting into an office downtown and spending a lot of time in, in traffic. And, and all of a sudden now I had the opportunity to have breakfast with my kids each day and walk them to school once they started going back to school and pick them up from school. And it was just really, it was just such a, a wonderful addition to the life that, that I didn't want to give it back. And, you know, ultimately like the practice of law for me just was, wasn't satisfying. It wasn't fulfilling. And, you know, as a lawyer, as a professional, you know, I bill my time and my clients pay me for my time. So essentially they controlled it. And, and at, at the end of the day, I just didn't have enough time left over to do what I actually wanted to do with my, with my life. So, you know, I started talking it over with Mrs. Landshark and we looked at the numbers and made the conclusion that we had enough. And, you know, what was the point of trading time for additional money if we didn't need additional money when that time was way more valuable to us. And ultimately, I think I, I came to the conclusion that I would regret working longer than I will retiring early. So as you know, having young kids, it's it's a fleeting moment in our lives where they just grow up really quickly and I just don't want to miss it. Absolutely. Well, I completely understand that. And now that you are, I guess, in this part-time role and you sort of, this is your bridge to full-time early retirement, how is life different for you now that you're working a portion of your time and owning a little bit more of your time to do the things that you do want to do? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's interesting how life throws you curveballs, right? So, you know, I was uh, at the end of 2021 starting, you know, I gave my notice and I was starting to go through the process of extracting myself from the full-time practice of law. And, you know, that has, has, has proceeded and, you know, I'm starting to get less email and things like that, but, you know, I'm still, still working on a couple of cases, but, you know, one of the, the curveballs that life threw our way was we're dealing with the fallout from a, a natural disaster that actually happened at the end of 2021. So there was a, the largest wildfire in, in Colorado's history hit our community at the end of December and it absolutely devastated our community. There's over a thousand homes lost. So, you know, my early retirement plans of, you know, exercising and playing and creating and learning have been slightly derailed and I'm spending a lot more time helping coordinate a cleanup and helping people deal with a, a massive rebuilding effort in our community. So, you know, which is nice because now I actually have some more time to deal with that kind of community service aspect. That I'm, that I'm spending a lot of time with, but it wasn't, it certainly wasn't what I was expecting early retirement was going to be. I'm assuming that you're probably grateful that you did move into this position when you did, because being slammed <laughs> with work during a very trying and stressful situation might have been a lot worse for you. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know how I'd have the time to do that, you know, if I was still working full time, for sure. 
there's a lot more to your story to come, my friend. So I'm excited for where it's going to go and your path this year. It's very inspiring to grab a hold of your time and try to utilize what you've got as a father and a husband and, and a community leader as you're doing. You know, there's somebody listening right now and thinking, well, you know, I make a good income too. I've got a lot saved up, but man, if the market tanked right now, I would just be too nervous to leave my job. What would you say to that person? You know, I think you can, you can math it out, right? Like you can always project based on, you know, what you have, what things would look like if the market dropped 20% or if the market dropped 50%. And, you know, the fear of the unknown is paralyzing at times. But if you actually kind of look at what the numbers show, that may give you some, some, some peace of mind that, uh, you know, if you've been going down this path for a long time and, and doing the saving and doing the investing, that you're probably going to be okay. They're going to be temporary, you know, blips and, and bumps in the road. But ultimately, you know, the market marches upwards over time. And so if you've been going down that path, you're probably going to be fine. But the most important thing, I think, in all of that is to really understand what your cost of living costs, you know, so track your spending and get a good feel for, you know, what would it actually cost for you to fund your living expenses if you didn't have any income coming in. And once you, you have that knowledge, then you can, I think, make an informed decision about, you know, do I really need to continue working here or not, right? Like, or can I actually fund my, my living expenses out of my savings? That's pretty exciting to think about. So there's somebody listening too, and they're saying, hey, I would really like this, this bridge, you know, this bridge money. What is the first step that they could take? You know, maybe they're not there this year, but let's say they're making a plan for five to 10 years from now. I would love to have a bridge to help me go from 50 to 59 and a half. Like, let's say we got a 40 year old listening right now and saying, hey, in 10 years, I would love to have a bridge. What's the first step they should take following this interview to build a bridge to their 59 and a half retirement? So I think the first thing that I would do would be to, to track your spending and get a feel for you know what your monthly expenses are and build into that monthly expense a regular budget for, for saving. And you know, set up your taxable brokerage account and basically just get used to sending some amount of money each and every month to your taxable brokerage account, invested in, in something that you feel comfortable with. I like low cost index funds, broad based index funds like BTSAX. And you know, just continue to do that over time and it will just continue to snowball and grow. And before you know it, you're gonna have an nest egg there sitting outside of your, you know, retirement accounts. That will help you, you know, build that bridge. All of this assumes, of course, that you're also saving for your traditional retirement as well in IRAs and 401ks and those types of vehicles. Having those separate buckets where you're, I guess, you're helping yourself over the decades, right? Where you maybe you started off on your 401k with your job, and yeah, you've been utilizing that for a couple of decades, and you'd realize, hey, if I give those a couple more decades, that's going to be even bigger in my 60s and 70s. But if I had this little bridge to get me there for the next 10 years, that could be a really great thing for me and my spouse and just like time with my kids. So this is very inspiring, Landshark. Thank you so much for your time today. If people want to follow you or connect, where's the best place to go? I've got a blog over at landshark.org, or you can find me on Twitter at I am Landshark or on Facebook at I am Landshark. Excellent. Yeah, I have been following Landshark for quite a while now, you guys on Twitter. So uh, feel free to do the same. Landshark, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Andy. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. Investing for retirement takes time, patience, and consistency. Eventually, you'll reach a point where you don't need to contribute any more money to hit your retirement goals. And that's what we call Coast Fire. On our Coast Fire segment today, we're going to interview Brad Long from Atlanta. Brad and his wife, Angelica, hit this Coast Fire milestone recently. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal and how this affects their journey going forward. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me, Andy. Thank you for being here and thank you for being transparent with all of us to help us all win. So let's talk about your investing journey. When did you start investing and initially what got you motivated? Yeah, great question. So that's a big part of my larger story of getting out of $174,000 worth of debt first, you know, learning those basic blocking and tackling skills. And that was, that started back in about 2004. I discovered Dave Ramsey's material and really, you know, kind of shot my way through a lot of that. I was out of debt by May, completely out of debt by May of 2007, right before the, the huge crash happened. 
almost immediately I, I, you know, I had filled my emergency fund and I was like, all right, what do I do next? You know? And so that I had already started researching investments. I was looking at index funds and ETFs and, you know, the traditional things like that. And so I pretty much started immediately after that. I, I hired a traditional financial advisor. It was somebody that I'd known for a long time. And she sort of put me in a pretty conservative, you know, sort of posture with that. And I think I started with about $20,000 that I had set apart from our emergency fund and just started growing from there. So at that point, what were you investing in in that $20,000? Was that like a, a separate taxable brokerage or an IRA? How did you invest? Yeah, back in just so this is back in 2008. So my memory might be slightly fuzzy. It was partially a brokerage account and partially a Roth IRA. I was maxing out, you know, the Roth IRA, and I was single back at that time. This is prior to Angelica and me meeting. Yeah, so partially a taxable brokerage account and partially a Roth IRA at that point. The instruments that I was in were basically just mutual funds. And honestly, I wasn't nearly as, I didn't have as much acumen as I have now. I was really more in a posture in the early stages of sort of trusting her to put me in the right mutual funds. So I'm pretty sure they were all mutual funds. There may have been an index fund in there, but I'm pretty sure it was mostly mutual funds. So you've been investing pretty full on since 2007, and we're now in 2022. So we are... Oh, math. 15 years? Yep. So when did you feel like you hit this Coast Fire milestone in your investing journey? Yeah, so Coast Fire came probably so there's a little bit of a a little bit of a backstory with that. You know, by the time Angelica and I had met in 2009 and then we got married a couple of years later. She's from Columbia, South America, so we had a little bit of a process in getting her, you know, here. And I, you know, was in a positive net worth and and so once we got her here, I was sort of in a I was in more of a music career at that point. I was kind of a music contractor and I knew that, you know, I was going to need to pivot back into corporate America at some point, which I did in 2015, partially because although we were out of debt, we we hadn't really grown our net worth all that much. I mean, by the time I went back into corporate America, our net worth was only about $70,000. I say only, a lot of people I'm sure would be like, oh, that's amazing. What do you mean only? You know, so we just weren't getting the traction. And I knew that I had this monetizable skill set of software sales from, you know, earlier incarnations of my career. And so I d- we just decided sort of reluctantly to pull that lever so that, you know, we could really start investing more hardcore. So we had the basics of personal finance down. We had, you know, we were highly organized. We were on a very, very strict budget. We were tracking our expenses. We were increasing our savings, right? We were doing all the right things. We just didn't have a big enough shovel to start shoveling toward that. And so in over the course of that five, that last five years from 2015 to roughly late 2019, we saved and invested over a half a million dollars during that time period because we were so disciplined about our budgeting. We had sort of engineered our lifestyle to live on between 30 and $40,000 a year. And I, you know, I hate, I hated being in corporate America. I wanted to get it over as quickly as possible. My wife hated to see me in corporate America because of the amount of stress. And so, yeah, we, we reach, I, I think technically we reached Coast Five probably somewhere in the middle of that, just based on our lifestyle, you know, goals and all that. But I would say definitely by the middle of November, 2019, we felt like, okay, we're at a place where we can just pivot out of this thing. I can, you know, get out of corporate America and then dive into just doing, you know, what I'm doing now, which is, you know, helping people like, like you help people. That's incredible. So before 2015, you were 
an artist, you were doing music and maybe a little bit more of a relaxed lifestyle. Then in 2015, it sounds like you wanted to go hard, bring in the income to get your investing where it needs to be. And now in 2019, you you moved away from that to, to help people with their money like we all are today. That's right. Exactly. That's that's 100%. Yeah, we definitely looked at... You know, I started this as a side hustle before then. So it was there was sort of the convergence of some events that that really made sense for us to, to make the jump. So yeah. What made you feel confident enough in 2019 to be like, hey, I'm going to leave that corporate career that feels like it's a bit soul-sucking and go back to something that just makes me feel a little happier? Yeah. Soul sucking, man. That is the operative word there. It definitely had gotten to that point. I think that that was probably one of the primary reasons is I just, I had reached a point of burnout that I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter how much they pay me. I literally said, if they pay me a million dollars next year, I can't do this anymore. And sort of simultaneously, I had built my financial coaching practice to a place where I was coaching students one-to-one. I had developed a couple of digital courses. I had a membership site at that point. And so it really just made sense, and especially in, in light of how much I hated it. So it was just a convergence, really, of those two things, burnout. And I, I would say the third thing is we knew that we could constrain our lifestyle if we needed to even more. So burnout, you know, the online business, the business was going great. And then we knew we were very confident in our skills to live well within our means. And so those three, I think the convergence of those three things were, were like, yeah, duh, this is a no brainer. Let's, you know, let's do this. Yeah. And in full transparency, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not making as much money as you did in your corporate career, but you still felt the confidence to move along. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, at that point, the the business was probably making really about probably the end of year one and a half. And I, you know, we were making under $10,000 at that point. You know how it is when you're starting something. I mean, it takes a while, you know, so we're now in year three and we've generated about 50K in, in revenue last year. So we're ramping back up to that. But we knew that, you know, it, because of our lifestyle, even if we had to live on savings, which, you know, once you're once you're used to having a savings rate of between 70 and 80%, which we were over that five years, the, the thought of going backwards is just excruciating. So, so there was a little bit of, you know, psychological suffering that we went through those first couple of years, but we just knew that, you know, at some point it becomes a mathematical certainty if you're really helping people and if you're doing certain types of act activities. So we were ready. Well, I love that. And that's what I love about the concept of Coast Fire is that you've gotten yourself to a position where time and compound interest will take you to those retirement goals that you need. So where are you today with your investments that you have set for retirement? So essentially, since leaving corporate America, you know, in November of 2019, you know, we have a mixture of asset classes. So we have traditional investments. We've got, you know, brokerage accounts. We've got uh, 401ks, 401k rollovers, Roth IRAs, HSAs, all of the traditional type stuff. But then we also have this other portfolio, two other portfolios of precious metals, and then also cryptocurrencies. And so we've, over the past, I would say, you know, four or five years, our cryptocurrency allocation was probably started off at about 10%, you know, back I've been in the I've been in the space for about a decade now. And we initially started about 1% of our overall net worth back in those days and kind of ramped that up to about 10%. And that has since ballooned to over 50% 
of our, our net worth. And so we're, you know, depending on the day, of course, because the cryptocurrency market is very volatile, we're over a million at this point. So we've dipped below that a little bit over the past few weeks because there's been a dip in the market. But, you know, again, it's, it's just one of those things where you just increase your acumen, you increase your comfort level with certain, you know, asset classes. We, you know, obviously we're very much into the traditional markets, but we're also into, you know, gold and silver as sort of central bank insurance as, as well. And then also, you know, several different projects in the crypto space. So we feel very confident about the the portfolio that we have and, and we understand everything and how to move it and all those kinds of things. So I think that's the, the biggest part of that is that has given us that confidence to totally jump ship from corporate America and just do my own thing has just been a, a mixture of, of those different strategies. That's great. So you're about half, call it traditional, and then another half in crypto that gets you the million? Yep. That's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Of course, because of you know emergencies and just what we've seen over the past couple of years, a large part of that is liquid cash as well. A large part of the traditional would be you know liquid cash. So a significant, maybe 20% of that is probably you know liquid. So When you felt this moment in 2019 where you're like, hey, we've got enough, how has that changed your financial journey going forward now? You have now been working in your originally hobby turned side hustle turned full-time business now for a couple of years. Do you see yourself doing this until you traditionally retire? That's a great question. I honestly don't see myself really ever retiring from this. I, I, I feel like it, you know, for, for my wife and me, it, it brings us such you know, such a sense of purpose and there's such a joy in what we're doing. And we don't feel like we have to do, we're not part of hustle culture. We produce content. We do, you know, YouTube live streams together. We have a membership where we really, really serve those people, you know, much more, I guess, granularly, you might say. And so I I don't really see, I don't really look at traditional retirement in a sense, because I don't really feel like I need to retire from anything. Now there could come a time, you know, and you know, 15, 20 years where we say, okay, well, we want to cut back back pretty dramatically, or we grow the business to a place where we have, you know, some, you know, other personalities that are, that are part of the team that are sort of carrying the load. But yeah, we don't really, I don't really see the whole 65, you know, and, and quitting kind of thing, because I mean, I'll probably work until I drop. I mean, that's kind of the strategy anyway. I love it, man. I love it. Well, it's something to really enjoy what you do so it doesn't feel like work every day. And it sounds like you definitely found that. So somebody's listening right now and they're saying, man, I want to hit that level of comfort from Coast Fire. What is one step that they could take after finishing this interview? It's a two-part answer. One, if you're in a place where you've, you're in debt, obviously you want to get the basics of you know personal finance blocking and tackling done. Organization, budgeting, expense tracking, so you know where your money is going. So that's that's one part of the answer. The other part of the answer is if you're you know out of if you're out of consumer debt and you're in the posture where you're like, hey, I want to I want to invest, I want to increase my savings rate. I think it's just really about increasing your investment acumen, you know, looking at traditional markets and all the instruments inside of those traditional markets, like, you know, 
stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, you know, understanding what all of those are, understanding the buckets that they sit in. And then also looking at, you know, like we're big affirmers of gold and silver as sort of insurance for your portfolio, but then also the cryptocurrency space, because that's sort of a gateway into, you know, other instruments inside the cryptocurrency space, like NFTs and staking for, you know, higher levels of interest and DAOs and all of those things that may sound like, you know, Russian to somebody that doesn't know what this is. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's a there's a barrier of entry, but once you get into the space and start to understand it a little bit more. So the overarching theme, you know, part two of your question is really just do everything you can to continue raising your financial acumen so that you understand these and feel comfortable putting some assets in there. Crypto was one of those things even just maybe a year or so ago that uh, I was publicly saying, ah, you know, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's very interesting. I'm dipping my toes in the water, but I'm not doing too much. But it seems like more and more as the news pops out, more banks are investing in it, more large corporations are accepting it as payment. So it, maybe it's not, you know, 100% of your portfolio like you guys were talking about today, but it's definitely something you want to learn more about, get your education on, and maybe dip your toes in the water. So, Brad, I really appreciate your time today. Where can people connect with you and learn more about what's going on with you? Yeah, thanks, Andy. So two main places, our YouTube channel, which is uh, bradlong-zero-debt-coach, and then our website, zero-debt-coach.com. We push out a lot of content there and you can always feel free to reach out and say, hey. Excellent, Brad. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Andy. It's good to be here. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I would like to ask you to join me and 1,200 other folks in our Thriving Families Facebook community. This is a free community. And it's open to anybody who's, uh, you know, a family that's looking to hit these big family financial goals that we talk about all the time on the show. So every week in this community, we ask our members in there to share some wins they've had. That way we can all get kind of excited about where we're headed in this journey and see others doing the same thing. So we heard this good news from group member Scott recently made the decision to purchase our first investment property and within 30 days acquired a property with tenants and cash flowing nicely on the road to more. Congratulations, Scott. This is huge news, man. Very, very cool. Talk about a strategy for early retirement, right? And the cash flow that you'd need in the years to come. Can I get a round of applause for our friend, Scott? Awesome, Scott. Very, very cool. Very cool. If you want to share some good family financial news with us, please join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Not only can you share good news, but you can also hear good news. And that just sort of inspires you along the way as you're figuring out where you want to go, where you want to take your family and help them to thrive. So we hope to see you in that group. Again, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's a free Facebook group. If you're not into Facebook, you can hang out with me on other social platforms at Andy Hill MKM. That's Instagram and Twitter. Either way, hope to see you in the socials, everybody. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Warren Buffett. 
The stock market is a device to transfer money from the impatient to the patient. Invest early and let time and compound interest do their magic, my friends. Carpe diem. 